Chase Film Society, our inaugural episode. Thank you for listening, tuning in, checking in with us today. This will be, uh, as you can see, episode zero, which is dedicated to just kind of familiarizing uh, ourselves with you guys, giving you an introduction to what we're about, uh, what our intentions are, and, and, and really what we're here to do as far as unadulterated, uncut, uh, unedited, just no holes barred film discussion, film reviews, um, things of that nature. So welcome. D, what's good, man? Nothing much, man. How you been? Been pretty good, pretty good. This is uh this is Derek. Derek is one of the voices you're gonna be hearing on the podcast. He's one of our producers, he's the head and one of the primary voices behind OTS. Uh, Derek, tell tell our listeners a little bit about what OTS is and, and how No Chase Film Society fits under the OTS brand. Okay, well, OTS is actually, um, it's really just a, a it's, it's, it stands for On the Sidelines. It's about sports, gaming, uh, music, movies, and sneakers. Um, so a lot of the, the, the podcasts that you will hear from from the OTS brand, um, all of them will be centered around those genres, and it's just giving our opinions on and 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 reporting on those things. Um, the brand itself is is probably is going to be much larger than that, um, but we're we're just we're 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 focused on the podcasting aspect, trying to bring in uh, uh, writers so we can do articles as well. Um, so it's, it's really just, it's about the culture, um, everything that surrounds the culture of sports and gaming, uh, and, and, and sneakers as well. So we're, we're just, it's all, it's all inclusive. So, so it's pretty anyone much that a, wants to, a, a podcast umbrella, you know? It, so yeah. Yeah. Podcasting podcast. is, yeah. Podcasting is, is just, just one branch of what was to come from OTS. Okay, cool. And um, the No Chase Film Society is just one podcast that exists under that OTS label. So, yes, sir. Uh, we plan on bringing you some real good content in the world of of film criticism, film reviews, and you know things of that nature. Uh, really, don't have a a real particular focus for this episode. Just wanted to familiarize you guys with my voice and introduce myself and let you all know exactly what it is that I'm here to do, and that is give you good commentary, um, good feedback, bring you some real good interviews, and everything dealing with the world of film. I want to give a couple of shout-outs, though, before we, or as we proceed. One particular podcast I want to give a lot of respect to and, and just take my hat off to is a podcast I came across about I want to say two years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was doing a Google search on uh, Oscar Michaud, who is because you know outside of this this whole podcasting endeavor, which uh, is which is new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, uh, one of the areas I met where I first met Derek is in the filmmaking world. Uh, Derek and I are both uh, aspiring filmmakers. We've done a lot of work in the Atlanta area, 
in the filmmaking community. So that's that's kind of where we initially met. And, uh, you know, just so happened to, you know, come across each other again in life. And now we're into the podcasting realm. But anyway, going into the story at hand, I was uh, looking for a podcast related to filmmaking, particularly black film. And for some reason, I think I typed in Oscar Michaud because one of the things I do is after I see a movie or if I'm kind of interested in a particular actor, I'll type their name, I'll Google their name along with podcasts to kind of get an idea of what kind of podcast presence they've had, you know, what kind of interviews they've done or anything, if they have any podcasts at all related to uh, that particular subject. So mm-hmm. I typed in Oscar Michaud, uh, did a Google search on Oscar Michaud. And for those who are not familiar with that name, Oscar Michaud is probably one of the earliest, um, the earliest, he's not the first, but he's definitely one of the first independent black filmmakers. And he goes back as far as, say, 1919. And he started out as a novelist, ended up uh, branching to filmmaking, released his first film in 1919. So he was pretty much, uh, he's, pretty, he's pretty much regarded as one of the first, if not the first, independent filmmaker, black independent filmmakers, very early on. And um, I wanted to look up some stuff on him, so I Googled his name and came across actually a podcast titled The Misho Mission. And the premise of the podcast is two black men, uh, one podcast, and they have a commitment to review um, every black film ever made. So with that, the podcast is called The Misho Mission. Absolutely one of the best podcast particularly really podcast in general but one of the best film podcasts out there so good that at the time uh, honestly speaking at the time i was considering uh doing my own podcast related to black sun mm-hmm. but when i heard a few of theirs and really I, I think they're right around 180 episodes right now when i heard theirs I, I'm, I'm a good 80 episodes in now when I heard mm-hmm. theirs, though, I after hearing their content and kind of following what they were on and just just the life and the energy and the and the intellectual capacity they brought to to black films, I didn't want to get in the lane with that. I felt like they deserved an uninterrupted, uh, just pipeline <laughs> to yeah. to uh, to that to black people to black cinema lovers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. and I know I'm one. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dear fan, a dear fan of them, and I just wanted to call them out. You know, straight, give them a shout out. You know, acknowledge them for the work they do and being an inspiration for me, and even uh, being a black man with an opinion on film. So, right, though right. Uh, no film, uh, no Chase Film Society is pretty much broad in, in the reviews that we do and the discussions that we plan on having and the things we plan on doing. Uh, it's There is no particular, I would say, race or genre or anything like that that we're focused on. Mm. Uh, the Michelle mission is definitely an inspiration and one of the, one of the, uh, I just say, podcasts that gave me a lot of confidence <clears throat> to be a black man and stand behind a mic, sit behind a mic or whatever, and just talk about film and criti- you know, and film criticism and, and just any type of intellectual conversation behind filmmaking. Those brothers do it 
from a place of excellency, and I just want to acknowledge them for that. Yeah, Michelle Mission, spelled M-I-C-H-A-H-E-A-U-X. M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Michelle, as in Oscar Michelle, uh, Mission. Michelle Mission. Look them up. They're on Instagram. You can find them on all your major platform, uh, podcasting platforms. They're definitely worth giving a listen to. Yeah, and uh, moving on to, I guess, part of the protocols that this show is going to be based around. Uh, we're looking to keep every episode around an hour, hour and a half. Not to exceed, definitely, definitely not to exceed two hours. We want to keep every uh, episode within the hour and a half window. Uh, we're going to dedicate roughly the first 30 to 40 minutes to just... A free range, wide ranging conversation uh, based on whatever we got going on in our lives um, or whatever we're watching at the time. So, starting that tradition and kind of putting things in place with uh, the framework of the show, I'll just open up by asking Derek, uh, What's up, man? What you been watching lately? Man. I um I'm rewatching Breaking Bad right now. Um partly because uh I've been wanting to rewatch it for at least 2 to 3 years now, but uh the El Camino movie um which is supposed to take place after the events of of the the 6th season um that's coming out October 11th, so I'm trying to trying to get prepared for that. Um, short of that, uh, man, shameless, um, my girlfriend and I are big shameless uh, fans, so that's what we're, we're stuck on right now. Um, that, that is some, God, that's some hilarious stuff, man. Racist in certain areas, (laughs) but hilarious as hell. Uh, I, I, I I love it. That's a really good show. Um, you know what? I have to give this show uh, uh, um, some attention. Uh, Big Little Lies on HBO. Have you ever checked okay. that out? That's, uh, is that uh, Meryl Streep or something like that? Meryl Streep's in a third season. Oh, no, se- is okay. that second? Right. I'm familiar second. with the show, never watched Man, I didn't think I was going to like it. I, mm-hmm. I just, I, I figured, I thought it was a... a more like a pretty little lies type of show that's what i that's what i got from the um from the title of it that's what i was thinking it was more along those lines and pretty awesome. what's that show about i have no clue <laughs> some abc show i think abc uh, family or not abc family anymore that i forgot what they call it now but um um some show that's on there uh freeform and um I, I I said I'm not gonna watch it. My lady got me. She was like, let's 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 check this out. I'm like, All right, fine. But I was hooked from the first episode, man. Okay. Hooked from hooked from the first episode, and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get back into uh, watching movies the way I was before. Um, but I haven't been seeing a lot of things that I that uh, really uh, interested me. Um, but, uh, I've been getting into documentaries a lot more lately. Have you seen the family on Netflix? 
I haven't. Man. I have Let me say this. But there... go ahead, because I want to mention I want to mention a documentary I did see on Netflix that I want to talk to you about. Okay, okay. Um a lot of people talk about the separation of church and state, right? Mm. Um this documentary shows you just how intertwined they are. And right. it's a it's a, a underground society called the family. Um mm-hmm. um what I think what people would think is the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. The family is probably more so of the Illuminati than the Illuminati is. Um and it deals with all the, 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 the power structures in America, not just America, but across the, the world, um, uh, and how connected they are through the family. And mm. they're, they pose as religious, a, a religious group, but it, it's more so about the power dynamic of, of, uh, of countries. And man... Man, man, man! If if I if I if I didn't believe it before, I believe it now. They they so are this, very. This documentary deals. It's called the family. We're gonna put it in the, yes. in the show notes. Yes. It's called family, and it's on. It's found on Netflix. Yes. Okay. We're gonna. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm writing that down because we're gonna talk about it. I'm sure uh, on the next episode. So I want to be able to be able to compare notes with you on that. The family okay. on Netflix. All right. Yeah. Yeah, man, that, 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 I, and I was actually sitting there because, you know, I, I used to be, um, part of a mega church in Atlanta and I was watching that and I'm like, yo, a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, a lot of the things that they're not only discussing, but showing, man, right there, right there. Actually, um, Greenleaf reminds me of that too. Have you ever seen that? I've watched one or two episodes of Greenleaf. It's a pretty good show. From it's what really I saw. good. It's really yeah. good. Uh, I was I was telling um, my lady uh, Rihanna that because um, if she hears this and I won't say her name, that that's not that's not gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm covering all my bases. Um, she she um, she and I were watching that, and I told her I said. This show is more like a documentary than 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 a TV show for me, mm. because all the 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 um, situations that they were discussing, um, that they that they were were showing on the show, and and different um, elements that they were that they were including, mm-hmm. I probably I, I think I have witnessed pretty much every single one of those on that show. Well, Maybe a little more dramatized in certain aspects, but for the most part, I have witnessed everything that that show showed. So, that so is just to be clear, life. this is a documentary about um, how mega churches or churches in general operate from the inner workings of churches. Greenleaf, no, no, no. So Greenleaf is just a just a regular. Oh, you're talking, show. you're talking about the show. Okay, I know about. Yeah. I thought you were talking about. Well, we're still talking about the the Netflix documentary. Oh no no no! I you're was just talking I was about. Just, yeah, I was just talking about how, how much it reminded me as being like documentary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
type of okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah that's that, the Greenleaf. That. That's the show produced by Oprah on Oprah Winfrey's network. Yeah, uh, starring Craig David. Yeah, I know he's an excellent actor. Uh, Lynn Whitfield, who is legendary, yes. classic actress. Yes. Um, those are the only two I can I can recognize uh, off the top of my head. I saw one or two episodes. I think I saw it on demand one day. I'm gonna tell you, D. I'm I'm not, and I guess people will, will pick this up <laughs> with future podcast conversations. Uh-huh. I'm really not a TV guy, man. You know, I, yeah. I can I have to say the last time I actually followed TV shows, like really followed TV shows with any type of enthusiasm had to be as a kid in the 90s. You know, I'm a, I'm an 80s baby, grew up in the 90s. Jesus. Um, and I, I think I go back to like A Different World, The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. Those are the shows like Martin. I think the last TV show I actually followed on a week to week basis was Martin. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just lost any type of interest or any type of desire to follow TV shows. I mean, I think the older I got, the more attracted I got, the more attracted I got to cinema. And mm-hmm. the older I got, the more of a desire I got to actually be in, you know, to be a filmmaker. So mm-hmm. most of my interest, man, is is movies, is in movies. Now, doesn't, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that there, are, there aren't any TV shows I follow or I have followed. But right, right. With the whole on-demand uh, option now we have it it kind of makes it a little bit easier for me to to get into a lot of tv shows that i normally would not have probably gotten into if they had came on week-to-week basis with appointment oriented tv oh yeah but, yeah we're yeah. we're moving away from that yeah yeah, yeah. and so that. that that so a couple of them I've, I've adopted and you know checked out but generally if i follow a tv show it's got to be something that Oh yeah, this interests me, and I'll tell you one that 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 actually did do that recently. That okay. show Succession, it comes on HBO. It's oh, I haven't watched that. Yeah, man, um, I've been hearing a few things about it. I've read I've read a few things about it, heard a few things about it, so I decided to check it out, and it really is an attention grabbing show. You know, okay. it's 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 pretty intriguing. Yeah, I don't know if you know the premise of it. You know any other background on it? I've never I never even heard of it. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's a show based on a, a family, a mega rich, mega billionaire family, right? And you would probably put them um, within the likes of the Murdoch family. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Murdochs, Rupert Murdoch, and you know he has yes, yes, three kids, and uh, he's like this media, con- this media conglomerate family. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's really based off. Well, I'm not gonna say it's based off of them, but it's it'll put you reminiscent in a reminiscent place of that family. You know, it kind of it kind of aches off a lot of experiences okay. of uh, of that family. So yeah, it's pretty good, man. You know, it's pretty good. It's on the second season. I've completed pretty much the first season on demand and I'm going through it now, but it's some pretty intriguing shit, man. The dialogue is interesting. Very interesting dialogue. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I recommend it. Succession on HBO. That's one show I've, I've been, been following. Uh, another one would be the shot on Showtime. Okay. Yes. Pretty good now show. that I, I love the shy and I'm, I'm pissed okay. because 
I know uh, what's his name, Jason Mitchell, is gone. Um, yeah. You know, following his, uh, I don't even know what the what, what what he actually did. I just heard that it was whatever he did was inappropriate with his. Uh, it's some it's some sexual harassment uh, stuff okay. going on with that. Yeah, it's actually him and the, the young lady who was involved in whatever issue, inappropriate issue that they had was involving Jason Mitchell and the other actress, uh, one of the other lead actress, actresses. That played uh, his Tiffany girlfriend. Boone. His girl, the one who played his girlfriend, Tiffany Boone. Both of them are actually not returning for yeah. season two. Which I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they're going to do the story with that. Um, I did see last week, I think, either last week or the week prior, that uh, Lala Anthony is going to be in that show. And yeah. that pissed me off. Because she can't yeah. act for anything. Have you, have you watched her on Power? Oh, which is another I've show. I've seen her on Power. Power. She is definitely one of my least favorite characters on Power. I'm going to tell you what. This season of Power has made me... I before this season started, I was saying, "Oh man, Tariq needs to go. They need to figure out a way to kill him somehow, some way." I hate that name, yeah. right? Yeah, kill that kid. I'm, I'm, I'm team kill off Tariq as well. Well, now I'm not saying that. I'm more saying Lala. Uh, uh, I'm gonna just say her name in the show, Keisha. Lakeisha. She needs to die. I like. I want to see her character die more than I wanted to see Tariq die. And and I hate that I, I feel that way because Tariq really does need to go. But Lala is that bad of an actress. Yeah. She cannot she, she throws the vibe of the show completely off. I'll be into it and then once her scene pops up, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like is 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 she she just does not have what it takes to be in that that world on the show. Um, so right. that's why I'm like, now that she's casted for the shy, like, I don't know if I even want to continue watching it because I, I actually like Jason Mitchell's character on that show. I liked him a lot. And now that he's not back, I don't know what they're going to do. I'll check it out, but I don't know if I'm going to stick around and watch or continue that whole season if, if, if it's bad. Cause I, I can't, I can't do that. And I love the shy. The shy is really good. Um, yeah, Showtime in general has a lot of good shows on there, so I'm intrigued to see what they're gonna do. But I, I'm not, I'm not banking on anything being good with her. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that, man. I'm with you on that. So within, I don't know how many minutes in, but I'm just sitting here and realizing that we haven't. Uh, I don't think I told him my name. Oh <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, great introduction. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is definitely turning uh, have all the makings of a crash and burn first episode. But we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna push through it though. We're gonna push through it. No, no chase film society. You're listening to. Thank you for joining us. I am your host Chris Ali here also with our one of our producers and also uh, I guess my partner in crime, second voice, main voice on the show, Derek. Sorry. Talking about uh, TV shows, just kind of randomly. Kicking this thing off, inviting you all to our to our uh, somewhat dangerous or uh, disastrous first episode, zero episode. 
But uh, we're, we're, we're pressing through this thing as we are on the road to many other, uh, many other very entertaining and provocative podcasts. Again, we're dedicated to film. That, that is the heartbeat. That is the center piece of all conversation to be heard here is dealing with film. Uh, we've already picked uh, episode one, actually. Derek and I have already yes. kind of talked about our first episode. We'll get into that a little later. But as we transition out of the TV conversation and try to get our bearings around this motherfucker, because, uh, <laughs> you know, this is no chase and there will be no chase conversation. So we might as well go ahead and prepare y'all for that as well. Uh, <laughs> and kind of take the gloves off with the conversation, the, the level of conversation and nature of conversation that we have. Might as well go ahead and prepare y'all for that because we do plan on making this totally no chase, totally no hose bar. We want honest, direct, uh, unfiltered film conversation, you know. And with that said, uh, let's talk about a few movies, man, that we might have had that, that we've seen lately. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know. Have you seen anything good, man? Uh, I, um... I find myself re-watching a lot of stuff lately. Um, Same here. Same here. I, I re-watched the Matrix trilogy. This is probably my 20th, 25th time. Maybe even 30th. Um, I definitely, I know I've seen the first one more than I've seen the of the last two. Um, but this is probably like my, my 20th time of watching the entire trilogy through um, in anticipation for uh, the Matrix 4. Um, which I am, I, I can't even begin to tell you how happy I am that that's coming back. Because uh, I'm a huge Matrix fan. The Matrix is actually what uh, got me into uh, um, into filmmaking. Uh, now that I've kind of mm. transitioned out of it, more so uh, doing the editing. Um, but uh, that's what introduced me into filmmaking to start with. And man, I love I love that series. Um, I still don't know why people get down on the second and third one. I'm not understanding that one because they, they're, you just know, as well, matrix is a very interesting, uh, it's so many interesting backstories to the matrix as well. So matrix is one of, is one of those film franchises that just has a lot to talk about, you know, yeah. attached. Um, the first one is definitely a classic, definitely a great movie. I haven't seen it in some years though. I, and, and as far as the second and third one, even though I saw them, I retained nothing from from the movie. Really? Um, not the, the second one wasn't good. It's just the second one and the third one in particular, they just weren't movies that stuck with you, you know? Um, they stuck with me. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the, first, the, first, <laughs> the first one, great movie. You know, it, it was so innovative. It was so, you know, it, it, was, it, was, so, it was so different. It was you different, know, it was very, yeah. Very so the whole dodging the bullets and... You know, the red pill, blue pill. I mean, it pretty much changed the, the, the cultural conversations, you know, the pop culture conversation. Like, even right now today, red pill, blue pill represents uh, the value of decision. And right. that's something that we get from Matrix. 
Right. I find it interesting about that movie. One thing I find interesting about that film is the story that you really don't hear talked about much um, in regards to The Matrix, and that's how its origins really came from a black woman. Right. You know, you don't really hear that. And actually, they, they were sued for that. Um, are they Wachowski, the Wachowski brothers? Am I saying that right? Uh, Wachowskis, I think. Wachowski, excuse me. The Wachowski, yeah. um, and I don't, I don't think they're brothers no more either. They're <laughs> sisters, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Um, yeah, but they um, actually were sued for that. And yeah. They had to pay for that. So... I'm, I'm, I don't know, I don't know much about that. I'm curious as to more uh, the more, more backstory on that. But Matrix is just, is just one of those films that got a lot of history attached to it. You know, there's a lot of conversation you can have about the Matrix. It's a good right. movie though. Not really uh, say a fan of the franchise. I'm not really a follower of the, fran- of the franchise because mm-hmm. I'm not definitely the last two. But um, the first one definitely uh, definitely a stellar film. Yeah, no, and, and and it's funny you you bring that up because um, it's the same thing with the Lion King. Um, they 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 apparently uh, stole that idea from um, I think some anime movie or something like that um, from Japan or something. I want to see the original for both. Uh, if 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 that that lady that um, the Wachowskis got that idea from, if if she did something or if she wrote a script or something like that, I'm intrigued. I would love to read that. Um, yeah. Well, apparently she also was one of the original writers of the Terminator series as well. Really? Yeah. Like I said, we'll have to put in the show notes her name and maybe a link to something about her. But, because uh, I don't know her name off the top of my head. But yeah, this lady apparently has um, had some some ties to the original Terminator. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, so Matrix and, and this and so Matrix Matrix has always had an interesting backstory, a very interesting backstory. I should revisit it. Maybe I'll revisit it. And we'll talk about it on the show. Maybe I'll be yeah. one of the podcasts we'll we'll put yeah. on. Um yeah, between that. our now and our one hundredth episode, we'll have to we'll have to include the Matrix in, in the conversation. Yeah. Awesome it's, it's awesome. Definitely film. a lot there to talk about. Um oh, I actually recently watched Black Klansman. Denzel's, I mean, excuse me, Denzel. I'll tell you why I say that in a minute. You mean yeah. Spike's, uh, Spike's Black, Black Klansman? Because there's yeah. another edition of the Black Klansman, which I discovered uh, on the Michaud mission, listening to the Michaud mission. There was another version, uh, well, excuse me, there was another movie called the Black Klansman. I don't know how related it was to uh, Spike's Black Klansman, but there was a there is a Black Klansman that came out uh, before this one. Really? Yeah, I don't know anything about it. Uh, the Michelle Men uh, from the Michelle Mission podcast actually talk about it. I haven't watched it uh, yet, though, and I haven't heard the podcast yet that they reviewed it with. But uh, but go ahead and, and talk about the Black Klansman because I, I got some interesting feedback. Well, I got some feedback for that. I originally was opposed to watching it um, because mm-hmm. I was getting tired of of. I think we've talked about this before. Um, I knew this wasn't a slave movie, but I was getting tired of these, you know, 
racially charged movies because I knew at some point this is why I don't even watch a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies either. Um, but I knew at some point I was going to hear some white person say nigger and, and scream it out to the top of their lungs. Um, mm-hmm. So I wasn't, I wasn't jumping at the, the thought of, of seeing it. But that was very well done. And um, mm-hmm. God, I forget his name. Uh, Denzel's son. What's his name? John David. John David Washington. Yeah. Man, he's one hell of an actor, bro. I mean, he sounds just like Denzel uh, with with certain inflections. But I love what he's doing because he's he's taking roles that, one, aren't reminiscent of his dad. Um, and so it kind of puts him in a different light. But do you watch Ballers? Uh, I don't watch it. I've seen one episode. Most shows on TV now, I've seen one or two episodes too. Very few okay. I've actually followed. Okay. Just to put that out there. <laughs> okay. No, but but Ballers is really good. I, I, I like what they do with that show. But I, th- I I think when I first started that show out, I was I'm I'm looking at him and thinking Denzel's son. I would say within two to three episodes. I forgot that's who he was. And I'm just looking at him as him. Mm-hmm. And man, the dude can act. Dude is... Uh, I, li- I like him. I really do like him. Um, uh, I know he's... This is like maybe like his third or fourth project, I think. But... To to bring it full circle and work with Spike Lee mm-hmm. is poetic. And it... it and And... It's amazing. It's amazing what they did with that movie. I actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, kind of put me in the mind of, of Django um, in certain ways, but that was a really good movie. I enjoyed that. Um, I disliked it for, for some of the reasons it sounds like you liked it for. Um, I found John David's vocal resemblance to his father pretty distracting. That that was actually one of the things I disliked about the film. Mm-hmm. I felt he just, I felt I was actually listening to Denzel Washington. I mean, it really sounded more <laughs> like a Denzel Washington um, I guess rendition throughout the whole film. Well, in that film, he definitely sounds more like him consistently. I mean, it was it was it was very distracting. It was it was very distracting for me, and it and I don't know if that's even a legitimate criticism towards the film because he may just talk like that. That just may be how he sounds. I mean, that is his dad, so it would make sense why he would sound like his father. But I don't think that worked for the for the film. The fact that he he sounded too much like his father that that much like his dad, it really took me out of the movie a little bit. Because I just couldn't help but just focusing on the fact this kid sounds like Denzel Washington. Or oh, this guy, yeah. this man, rather. Yeah. He's not a kid. This guy sounds like Denzel Washington. And yeah. Um, yeah. so, yeah, that, that took me out of the movie a little bit. I'm going to tell you another issue I have to film. It didn't, the story didn't really reflect the direction the title takes you in. The title is, the movie's yes. entitled The Black Klansman, right? Yes. But it didn't really reflect that in what we saw 
with the performance of John David Washington. When right. really the one that was mostly undercover in this movie was um, Adam, I think his name is Adam Driver. Mm -hmm. I believe his name is. The other actor, the the, the white actor who the white was actually yeah. who was actually in the clan. <laughs> in yeah, this movie. yeah. Yeah. Um it, it wasn't John David Washington's character, which I can't remember his name in the movie. But um it was a decent movie. You know, it was very it was a competent film. But this yes. is Spike Lee. We're not gonna get anything but competent films from Spike Lee. We right. we should expect that right now. I mean, even Shot Rat, which is a film I did not like at all. I hated Shot Rat. Um, but it was a competent it. film. I understood what he was trying to do with the movie. That's that's the, that's Spike Lee being a master filmmaker. You're going to get absolutely what he intended to tell you. You're mm -hmm. going to draw that from the movie. Now, whether he does it well, that's where you get questionable with Spike. Right. And it's really been that way with Spike for the last few years. You know, this isn't anything, it isn't anything too recent. Spike right. has been pretty hit or miss quite some time. I, you know... Yes. That's just what I am with that. But as far as um but as far as the black Klansman, he he didn't really get the message across very well to me. You know, I I just didn't find much interest in what he was trying to communicate in that movie. And there were a couple of scenes that were kind of uh, problematic as well, particularly the white woman who was supposed to be yeah. the clan supporter. Her role was just a little over the top for me. It also it, took me out of the movie. I don't know that actress's name. And we're going to be better researched people in the future <laughs> with these movies, man. Um, just understand the episode zero, we're kind of working out the kinks a little bit and catching, you know, getting our bearings and establishing ourselves. So a lot of the information that you'll really need, you're going to have to get from the show notes probably from this episode. But um, yeah, the actress who played the the clan adherent in this movie, I think she ended up getting hit by a car or some shit, and and towards the end, um, yeah, I really had a problem with her role. So I, yeah, I, Black I don't know how how she was how she's not racist for real. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, yeah, it, it was just a it was just an odd character. That was know. the reason why I decided to not watch the movie when it first came out because I was like, I, I can't. I don't want to sit here and watch something that's going to be problematic. I don't. I. I, I don't. Um, well, you sound like you're about like me. You got uh, race, race. Well, you got civil rights, slave movie fatigue. You know, I, bro. I. Everyone was jumping on. Uh, what was that movie? Twelve. Twelve years a slave. I. I still haven't seen that movie. I. I. I that's I'm, all right. I'm I done with it's, slave it's, movies. It's, it is Twelve Years a Slave is a very emotionally wrecking movie. Yeah, you know, it, it takes a lot out of you. I, it, it, now I'm going to say this: it wasn't a bad movie. It was a beautiful movie as far as uh, film, the filmmaking aspects, the production aspects are concerned. Mm -hmm. Aesthetic, aesthetically, is a very, very beautiful movie. Mm -hmm. um, the subject matter is hard to deal with. The, the presentation, the story, the narrative uh, given to us uh, by Stephen McQueen, the director Stephen McQueen, very good director. Mm -hmm. But uh, this particular movie is really emotionally wrecking. You know, it's one of those movies you don't want to revisit. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> you see, and nobody <laughs> wants to go back and see, uh, well, I should say, speaking for myself, 
um, I don't want to go back and see it again. I'm yeah. not saying that I wouldn't, but it would have to be under some circumstances. I don't know, some type of screening, uh, some type of I'm stuck in the house, and this is what <laughs> my lady really wants to see, which is not a movie you would think your lady wants to really see. see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, just on pure recommendation, well, let's see 12 Years yeah. Slave. Yeah. <laughs> those movies. But um, it's worth it's worth it's worth watching if if you're a historical buff, a history buff, or a slave enthusiast, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I can. I, it's, I, it's I think. I think white supremacists are slave buffs, because um, I I, I no, can't. No, you, you got you do got black people out here who are, who are really um, infatuated with slave history. And, and see, here's the thing. I, I know there, there's something to be learned from the history of slavery. It's not like I'm, I'm trying to wipe that clean. I, like, as a black man, that is, that, is, that is an important part of history. Um, uh, basically, to hold the mirror up to America. But I can't. I can't sit there and 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 watch stuff like that. Uh, now, now no, I will I'm... say, um, uh, "Birth of a Nation," the Nate Parker movie. My God, that was different. That was about uh, a rebelling and a revolution. So I was all for it. I even when I walked out the theater, but it was a um, very tame movie. It it's very it's tame. yeah. It it it. It does it it does it does weigh on you, um, but to me it kind of weighed differently than a than a than a traditional slave movie because the conclusion of, of of those films are they're still slaves. This was I'm not standing for this. I'm not standing for the mistreatment and and this system that you have built to entrap my people. I'm not standing for that and. You know what's funny? I walked out the theater and there was an older white guy walking next to me, walking out of the theater. And mm -hmm. I had the same feeling after watching that movie that I did after watching Crash. When I when I finished watching Crash, I didn't want to be in the vicinity of a white person for like two days. Um, but I will say... When I watched that, he and I walked out that theater. I was I was feeling the same way, but it seemed like he wanted to have a conversation, and he was just telling me he was like, "Man, that was that was wild." And he was like, "That that was a heavy movie, this that and the other." And we, you know, I'm keeping it small talk and light because I'm gonna be honest, being in Georgia. <laughs> It's a hell of a race movie there, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my god, hell of a movie. Um well right. Right, right. <laughs> I, I didn't want to get into that. This dude yeah. offered to paint a, a a portrait of my mom for free. I don't even know how we went from the movie to him giving me that business card with that 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 offer. But it seemed like to me he was almost trying to apologize for Yeah for that um right. for 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 his family's or his ancestors role in that and i i found it i found it interesting um and i think it was eye-opening 
um, the movie itself was eye-opening for me in a religious aspect because it, it, it to me, it kind of uh, broke the chains of religion on me. Um, so to me, that movie had more more layers to it and it felt it felt liberating. Mm. These other slave movies, I can't rock with that. So that's why when I was when 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 Black Klansman came out, I'm like, not another like Jesus, bro. I, I'm tired of this stuff. Like I'm 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 tired of it because it's it's just it's exhausting. You no, know, I, I relate. I, I can relate. Um, I'm I'm about tired of the the slave. Uh, like I said, civil rights. Uh, whole black mm-hmm. historical or the extent of black history told through those lenses, you know, I, I definitely have reached fatigue with that myself. The, the old school black domestic who uh, mentors the little white kid into understanding the utopia of the, you know, all that shit. You know, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, about, I'm about tired of that myself. Yeah. 12 Years a Slave definitely fits in that category for me. You know, it was definitely not a pleasant movie to watch. You know, but me being a film enthusiast, I, I pretty much watch everything. I'll just put it out there like that as well. Like, right. I'm pretty much a, a film whore. It's not much I won't watch, you know. So I, I'm pretty much prone to give just about anything film-related an opportunity. Even if I know it's likely going to be bad <laughs> or likely mm-hmm. something that I'm not really into um like i'll give it a chance so 12 years of slave was one of those movies i I really am not drawn to i'm just not naturally drawn to that story but i watched it uh out of a obligation to my film enthusiasm Mm -hmm. and it um it definitely has some very good things to say uh, about well, there are I should say some very good things to say about the movie. I guess I mentioned one of them earlier. It is a, it is a beautiful film, very well shot film, aesthetically, um, probably one of the best films that came out that year. Wow. And the acting was 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 very on point, too on point actually, because I don't recall the actor's name, the uh, the white guy who played the slave master and, and beat the hell out of uh Lupita, mm-hmm. uh that guy uh yeah i, I generally want to see him um contract some type of cancer especially out of that movie you know as that's the character the character he played made me want to see him too accurate. like drop it on screen you know yeah the actor the, the the character the actor played that's how well he translated that character you know i don't remember his name but uh and I believe that that was a, you know, because Brad Pitt has a role in the movie, a very small role. And he actually was one of the producers on that film. And I want to say I heard a podcast a while back talking about 12 Years a Slave and how Brad Pitt was not going to play that role, you know, of the slave yeah. master. Yeah. You know, he, it was just, he just was not going to do that. That's even kind of um, related to Leonardo DiCaprio on the set of Django and how Man. uncomfortable he was with the role he played, you know, yeah. how emotionally taxing it was for him to play that role. And he played the hell out of that role. He did. Um, he did. You know, excellent performance, one of his best performances, but 
it seems to be one of those performances you're not going to really hear him talk about a lot because um, because there's no pride behind that. Way. But for yeah, him. it's one of those performances. If you notice, he didn't really have his face on a whole lot of the promotion for Django. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. noticed um, because I, you know, he, that was a really difficult role for him for for, very, for obvious reasons. And I want to say that Brad Pitt had those same reservations um, for Twelve Years a Slave, which is why he played the small role he played and didn't play the slave owner's role. But yeah, that particular actor. Um, translated just the hatred and the energy of white supremacy on screen probably better than any depiction I've seen and I don't know if that's a compliment or not I certainly don't mean it as a compliment <laughs> um, you know it, it, but yeah 12 Years a Slave is definitely one of those movies you said it was crash for you 12 Years a Slave was definitely one of those movies that had me with uh, with a lot of venom <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah. <laughs> it, it left me in a bad place after I watched it, and um, yeah, so I, I'm with you on that, man. The race movies, those uh, those civil rights, Dr. King, Selma, let's get our ass beat and and suffer for the sake of our our right to vote. Type. I'm just kind of, kind of sick of those Lord Selma, Alabama movies myself, man. You know, I'm yeah. Because there's more to black it. history than slave. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to go back real quick to something you mentioned about Birth of a Nation. Mm. Because I actually saw Birth of a Nation. And that movie did not really have an impact on me. Um, and, and Derek and I have a mutual friend who, who has since passed on. And I just want to say rest in peace to, to the great Tim, man. Uh, our boy Tim, in yes, reference sir. to that. But uh, Tim actually saw that movie, and we talked about it, and we had the same, uh, we walked away with the same feeling from Birth of a Nation. Like, man, it was too tame. It was too calm to be a movie about slavery. About Nat Turner. It was, yeah, it was a calm movie. And I remember him even saying, uh, I remember our, our boy Tim even saying, it had Nat Turner looking more like Martin Luther King. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and I agree with that, man. Um, no, I, 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 I would not, agree with not, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not not saying Nate didn't make a great movie, because th- th- yeah. again, that's another movie with a lot of backstory to it. Yeah. Because when Nate put that movie out, when Nate released that movie, and this is something we're going to, we're going to have to also note too that we're going to review Twelve Years, uh, excuse me, uh, Birth of a Nation, because. When Nate put that movie out, Nate Parker, a uh, mm-hmm. phenomenal actor, and I believe that was his directorial debut, Birth of yeah. a Nation. Yeah. When he put that movie out, that's when the Me Too, that was right around the time when the Me Too shit was starting. They were just revving up their engines. The what now? I said they were just revving up their engines. That, that was right, the beginning. Right. Like, I yeah. want to say he was one of the first, right? He was, that yeah. was caught up in that whole Me Too um, yeah. stuff and th- that's when the rape charge th- that he was uh, found innocent or found not guilty or whatever that's when the rape charge came out um, he took a lot of heat for that mm-hmm. and it pretty much derailed the film because uh, Sony I want to say God I gotta get better with uh, my actual facts on this show that's one of my goals to be able to <laughs> give these these little factoids 
out with a little bit more assurance. But I want to say that Sony bought the film for like $17 million after seeing it at Sundance. I believe it appeared at Sundance, made a big splash at Sundance. Sony put out a shitload of money uh, with $17 million, which is a shitload of money to us, you know, at this stage of our career. But $17 million uh, film had rave reviews, or at least very solid reviews. And then this sexual assault or this this uh, rape charge that he had went to court and beat surfaced, totally derailed the, 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 the momentum of the movie. Totally derailed it. Yeah. Um, and that is the year of all, uh, while, while, we, while we're talking about this, that mm-hmm. is the year, I want to say, Casey Affleck, who was also facing some Bro. sexual inpro- uh, inappropriate shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> won an Oscar. Yeah. He won, he won Best Actor that year for Manchester by the Sea. And people still don't talk so, about that. And that's still not a conversation. Mm-mm. Nate Parker, right now, who has a film that went to uh, Toronto, the Toronto International Film Fest, I don't remember the name of it, but it's supposed to be another film that, again, has gotten a lot of attention. A lot of, yeah. lot of another, another directorial effort of his that's gotten a lot of attention. Again, these charges have been brought back up, you know, in reference yeah. to Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a difficult conversation to have, man, um, because I don't want to make light at all. And I, I, if I'm giving that impression, I apologize because that's not my intention. I don't want to make light of sexual assault, rape, or any type of um, violent approach to women in, involving women. Those right. are, are, are cases I take very seriously. I'm, I'm a father. I have a daughter. So those right. are cases I take very serious. You know, Derek, you have a sister. So I know those are, those are situations that, that we don't definitely. play with and we don't make light of uh, as men, as, as individuals. But right. when you consider the level of imbalance that black men have to pretty much endure when it comes to our sexuality, the sexuality of a black man, and we, and we as black men have sexuality like everybody else, even though yep. it's been demonized. And it's been made to be a threat. Um, we don't have a right to our sexuality as everybody else do. As heterosexual black men, our sexuality is constantly, you know, being uh, told to stand guard or be guarded or supervised mm-hmm. or looked at as a weapon, you know. Um, and I feel like a lot of that was perpetrated on, on, on Nate's uh, effort with Birth of a Nation. That has yeah. nothing to do with the film itself. That's just, again, the backstory. That, Observation. That, that I observed with that film. Yeah. No, and and the, the sad part about that. that whole thing is black people fell for that. Right. 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 And But talking about the film, you know, talking about the actual film. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I didn't like the movie. But... There are a lot of movies like that that I like. You know, I like Roots. You know, Roots uh, yeah. are my childhood to some extent, so I like Roots. Um, I liked it's another slave-oriented movie that I can say I like. Oh, Django. Django Unchained. You know, mm-hmm. I like that movie. I really like Django. So I- I'll say that I liked 
Birth of a Nation. But I didn't like it for reasons I should have. Right, 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 right. No, that does. You know, I I liked it for, again, uh, much like 12 Years a Slave, I think Nate Parker did a very great job aesthetically for that being his first uh, first movie. And then your first movie is a period piece. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. is, is is dealing with I mean that's pretty ambitious shit man and yeah. for considering all of that he did a good job you know he did uh, he did a great job with it but I don't feel he depicted the heart of what Nat Turner is historically I think he 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 failed in that capacity you um, think he was a little more reserved I think he was very reserved even down to the climax ending which should have been a lot more aggressive than that. Considering what Nat Turner was oh, and yeah. what he did, um, I I think it let me down historically. Historically, that, that's fair. He could have been a little bit more uh, expressive with the nature of what Nat Turner was, and he was a man, you know. And, and I'm I'm pretty, I'm I'm pretty um, close to the history of Nat Turner mm-hmm. because um, I was raised in a very pro-black home, mm-hmm. so you know that's one of the figures that had a lot of attention in my home. That's one of the figures that got a lot of conversation in my home was Nat Turner. So knowing the history of Nat Turner and knowing that he was a man that felt he had a divine mission basically to kill white people. I mean, call it what it is. This is no chase, man. No no yeah. chase for society. We're giving it to you the way it is given in casual conversation and everyday conversation when it comes to talking about movies. And Nat yeah. Turner had a history of killing white. That was his history. That's the whole reason why he's significant to history because he spiritually and biblically stood on the fact that we had a right to murder our oppressors in in reference to our freedom. And that was totally uh, whitewashed in that movie. It was was tame. And of course, with Sony putting $17 million in it, that's exactly what the intention was. To tell the story of Nat Turner in the most sanitized way possible yeah. and um, Nate accomplished that I think it would have been a very better uh, a much better movie and uh, a very inspirational movie if he had showed that there was a black man who lived within history that had no problem with murdering or killing if you want to call it that his oppressor yeah the thing about it is white people are not going to pay for that movie so nope <laughs> um and, and, and as you can see, they sabotaged it. That, that, Most that was, The little bit that they did allow to be translated, they sabotaged through the the bullshit of um, the Me Too movement, which a lot of the Me Too movement is bullshit. And I'm sure we'll get to that in another podcast. as another conversation for another day. But yeah. I absolutely believe the Me Too movement has become a hit job. You know, they, yeah. they get on hit jobs of uh, successful black men. That's, that is the... The, the purpose and the mission undergirding the Me Too fiasco is to, right. is to uh, continue to castrate spiritually or figuratively black men. No, I, I agree so with it, that. I agree with that. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. It's, it, it's, it's gone a little overboard in, in a lot of uh, situations. Now, now, plenty of them are, are, are um, reasonable. I can't, I can't disagree with you on that. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they so, and 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 they 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 definitely um they definitely achieved their mission of 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 killing the support for that film. Right. 
Right, and it's happening to him again with uh, another film he has coming out. Yeah, uh, yeah. That just screen. Hey, Derek, I got a. I guess this is a, a interesting moment right now on on No Chase. Um, a moment that definitely deserves to be acknowledged. I, I'm looking at my phone, mm. and today is October fourth. We try not. To, we're going to try not to date these podcasts, but today is October fourth, and a breaking news alert has just come across my phone, man. A uh, legendary actress, very legendary actress, Diane Carroll, has passed away, man. At 84 years old. Yeah. Yeah, what happened? Be, uh, uh, it says of cancer. I'm going to read the alert. Associated Press, Diane Carroll, 84, star of television and screen, has died of cancer, says daughter Suzanne Kay. So, Jesus. Uh, yeah, man, Here, here's a moment right now for us that we're going to stop and just acknowledge uh, the legendary career of Diane Carroll. Wow, that's, I wasn't anticipating that, obviously. Wow. But Diane Carroll, yeah, gone, 84 years old. Um, she had cancer. I didn't know that. Um, I, wow. I knew the last couple of times I heard reports on Diane Carroll, she had dropped out of some uh, Broadway stuff. Or some right. stage work that she had signed up for a couple of years ago because she couldn't get through it due to illness. Um, and that is uh, the most I've heard in reference to her being sick. But uh, I got to say, man, um, again, I got to reference the Me Show Mission podcast because it's that podcast that led me to discover a great film that Diane Carroll starred in with James Earl Jones, uh, Claudine. Claudine um, oh. is one of the movies from the 70s. I don't know what year exactly it came out, but it came out in the 70s. Very good movie, man. Very good movie. Um, and of course, there's other work out there that she's done. Um, she's done some recently, too. Didn't she do some Tyler Perry work? Because uh, Tyler what? Perry's been. I don't even pay attention to Tyler Perry anymore, so I, I don't even. I couldn't on, tell you if she did. You're not going to diss Tyler this early in the, in the game. We're trying to... <laughs> I am. <laughs> I don't pay attention to him Ew, anymore, so I'm not peace, sure. Diane Carroll. <laughs> yes, yes, rest Much in peace. love to your memory. Um, yeah, it's definitely a, a bittersweet day to kick off the podcast with, with that. But, you know, wow. uh, you will be missed. She will be missed. Diane wow. Carroll gone at 84. Yeah, man. Uh, but uh, Claudine, excuse me, Claudine, talking about Diane Carroll. Uh, Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Birth of a Nation, I definitely recommend it. Check it out just for the historical nature of the film. And don't get me wrong, it does, uh, it does contain some very great observations, particularly when it comes to the interpretation we as black people have accepted of the Bible. And that the, was the, that was the major thing that stuck out to me. That that was very major. Um, that scene with the great and talented uh, God, what is uh, his name escapes me. He's the dude from Malcolm X that uh, uh, Malcolm or Denzel played Russian roulette with. The stutter man from Do the Right Thing. I, his name escapes me, but he's actually in the movie as. The uh, the house Negro, one of the house Negroes, and that scene when 
Nate Parker uh, or Nat Turner's character is praying in the dining room with the, the master and yeah. you know, and, and it, the camera makes that pan to from from Nate Parker on to the guy whose name escapes me, the uh, the light skinned actor, legendary actor, man. Um, is it his name Roger is Smith? Pitts. Say it again. Roger Smith is that him? I believe it's, I thought it was a something with a Roger Gouverneur Smith. Gouverneur, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, couldn't, I couldn't pronounce it. We're going to start looking up this stuff, folks. Trust me, we're going to be a well, <laughs> we're going to be a lot better, <laughs> well, a lot better versed in, in our references moving forward. But anyway, I think his name is Roger, Roger Gouverneur Smith, or something of that nature. It makes a very eerie uh, camera pan that lands on him watching him say this prayer. He's not praying while he's praying this this uh, somewhat re revolutionary prayer, this rebellious prayer that, yeah. that that Nate Parker's character, uh, Nat Turner, was praying. He wasn't praying along with him. He was actually watching him because he knew that he was praying a prayer that was not in line with the old yeah. be happy without change mentality. You know, right, I'm right. satisfied in my slavery type of mentality. He knew that he right. was praying something that was in opposition to that. So anyway, that, that was just a really, really, really well put together scene from Nate Parker. And it translated a whole lot as far as how we can walk away with two different ideas of freedom and love and brotherhood from that Bible. An idea that white people essentially corrupted when they gave yeah. us the Bible. Yeah. That Nat Turner was able to see through. You yeah. Know, and come away with something totally different. You know, yeah. and, and, and absolutely revolutionary. And, so, and uh, I remember you and I spoke spoke about this uh recently actually, um about that film and I felt like that was my rebirth that that seeing that movie and um coming from my background which i i grew up i was heavy in the church and right. i was I, I mean i was like going to church what four days out of a week majority of, of, of the times and Bro, I was like right before the, right before I saw that, I'd say about a year before I saw that, a year or two, I was already starting to have questions and 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 paying attention to things but not really connecting the dots fully. That movie just kind of like just turned the light on and I'm like, "Oh, okay. I get it. I get it." And right. and and since then, I I've 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 I have been done. I, I like I, I've been done with church. It, it, it's religion is not. Well, and Birth of a Nation was one of those movies that that was instrumental in giving you that realization. Huh? Oh, that it was it was a catalyst. Okay. Yeah, it was a catalyst for it. Like like, I had already started thinking of things, but that was just like okay, yes, there you go, makes sense, and I haven't looked at church the same way since i haven't interesting wow yeah man uh that's 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 pretty deep man and 
I walk away from Birth of a Nation uh, a little disappointed, you know. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I walked away a little disappointed. I wish he had been a little bit more uh, aggressive with depicting with the killing, the rage, you know, yeah. just the rage, not necessarily the killing. Um, even though that was a, a major part of his legacy, mm-hmm. but I just really wish he depicted the rage of. Um, Nat Turner in that film a little bit differently. You know, Nat Turner was very calm, very diplomatic, which, you know, was okay. You mm-hmm. know, that that wasn't, a, if that was his interpretation or that was the character he wanted to to create, then that's fine. But it just, the, the character he wanted to create or the character he gave us of Nat Turner did not really translate the historical Nat Turner very well at all. And if you're going to do a biopic, or something related to a biopic, or, or something that's supposed to be a reflection of a historical period. Yeah, it's good to have as much of that, the reality of that history, in it as possible, not the other way around. And I feel yeah. like a lot of, uh, particularly when it comes to Black history, nobody really fucks around with everybody else's history like they do ours. But when it comes to Black history, there's a lot of liberties taken. You know, that's one of mm-hmm. the criticisms that people have of Malcolm X. Um, but what I will say about Malcolm X is even though uh, there are a lot of liberties taken in that movie, it does mm-hmm. not compromise the historical purpose and the work and the, the motivation that Malcolm had. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, Spike captured that brilliantly. You know, that's why you can forgive Malcolm X for a lot of the shortcomings you may find with that film. I have a yeah. hard time doing that with Birth of a Nation. Because okay. there was just not enough of Nat Turner, and the, not necessarily Nat Turner as just an individual, but the the, the work, the, the motivation, the, the the accomplishment, and that was an accomplishment, even though it was derailed by uh, Uncle Tom niggers. There was an accomplishment that yeah. he met, in yeah. in, in uh, the revolutionary approach that he took to freeing us or they're giving us a better existence here in America. And uh, Birth of a Nation just didn't capture that, in my opinion. Which, but, which uh, is, which is, which yeah, is reasonable. Yeah. But that's reasonable. Hopefully, ho- hopefully with this next film, I forget, because I, I did see the announcement of it. Um, I just, I didn't, um, I didn't read everything on it, but hopefully this, this next film is not only more accurate with who he's depicting, but people actually go out and support him. That that was oh, yeah. my that was my my biggest hang up with with Birth of a Nation because I actually thought that would have been the catalyst for not only more films with him but more opportunity for Black filmmakers and us not supporting him the way we should have supported him with that movie really pissed me off and 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 really kind of hurt because i'm like you know we can't keep talking about equality and 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 uh supporting people and all this other stuff if we're not going to do it we we can't it doesn't make sense and and everyone that 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 decided to not go see that based on this situation that was already resolved where where he was found to not be guilty of what his accusations were, 
you know, I felt like that was kind of that was a bit short sighted. You know, a lot of people have supported R. Kelly multiple times over, and and even after yeah. finding out what he's done, you know, even after the surviving R. Kelly documentary came out, which I think that was kind of that was that was that was disgusting, but even after that, you still have people that still support him. You know, and I'm like, yeah, we can't pick and choose what we're going to do. So you're going to fire up the R. Kelly and Tyler Perry debate, episode zero, man. You're going to come out the gate with hey, man. busting flames. If you're, if you're not, if you're not going to go for it, why try? Like, I'm, if I'm going to step up hey, to the plate, man, I'm going to swing full, full flex. <laughs> I'm with it, dude. I'm with it, man. Off to the wall. Fuck it. Why, yeah. No, no need to hold back. <laughs> <laughs> no Chase Film Society, our inaugural episode zero podcast. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it from this point. It's coming up on an hour. Yes, sir. And, yes, uh, sir. So we need to go ahead and just kind of take time and assess the damage that we've made over these last few minutes. But uh, episode one coming up. Uh, yes. want to go ahead and mention uh, our next movie, D, since it's your pick for the, for the week. Uncle Buck. <laughs> Uncle Buck. Uncle I Buck is Uncle episode Buck one. Came out in eighty nine, eighty eight, somewhere, somewhere there. around there. Yeah, I could yeah. be wrong as hell. Again, don't listen to this show for anything accurate just yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Uncle Buck. Uh, me and D talked about. You know, what should our first movie be? Again, this is. Pretty much wide-ranging interest, man. So any any film observations, any film recommendations that y'all have, you can go ahead and email them to us. The email will be in the description, uh, as well as all Instagram or social media handles will be in the description. But, uh, yeah, reach out to us for any films that you want us to talk about. The first that we're going to open up with, as you heard, will be Uncle Buck. That's episode one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to save my, my, my review for, for the hot mic on that. But okay. uh, yeah, good choice though. I'll just say that like that. Very good it, choice. That <laughs> I, look, I'm trying to get more into a lot of movies that I missed, whether because I wasn't alive yet or I, I was focused on other films. Uh, I was born in '90, right. so you know that that was that was well after Uncle Buck. But that movie, man, I I liked it. I liked it. And Rihanna's pushing me to see other movies like that. So That's good, man. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lady that's expanding your film palette a little bit. Yeah, oh, actually most definitely. I hadn't I, I saw bits and pieces of it growing up, but until you know, we talked about it and we determined that was gonna be the first film, I hadn't seen it in its entirety before then. So oh, okay. uh, yeah, I look okay. forward to that, man. So that'll be episode one. No Chase Film Society, our first film review will be Uncle Buck. And we'll be back with more uh, tomfoolery on the next episode. <laughs> Please forgive us for um, our or my amateur debut. And it was crazy as D. I've done radio before. This is just something. Right, gotta, right. No, I got to you know, re- recalibrate. You know, yeah. As I said a couple times on this show, I know I've used that term a few times already. But I kind of got to you know, catch my balance a little bit. It, you know, it, it, it takes some time. We'll look back at this episode and laugh at it, I'm sure. 
Oh, most definitely. It, it takes a little but, time. Uh, that's that, man. No Chase Film Society. Thank y'all for listening. We'll be back with another one. And rest in peace to the lovely Diane Carroll.